Hi, this is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being presented by Casper. Casper is an online mattress company offering premium mattresses at a fraction of the cost. I just got my new Casper mattress. It is so soft and comfortable. With its latex and memory foam technology, it has just the right sink and bounce. Casper is an online retailer revolutionizing the industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing those savings to you, our listener. Go to casper.com slash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics for $50 off any mattress purchase. Today is Sunday, December 13th, 2015. I am Larry H. Russell being joined by absolutely nobody of this moment, but that will change. Later on in this show, I spoke with Jim Barnett, Golden State Warriors color commentator for CSN Bay Area just prior to that great, great basketball game back on Friday night. Also plan to chat with Elrod Enchilada of Real GM. There's your early rundown of what's to come here on the 135th episode of Celtics Beat being presented this week by Casper. Let's talk about that amazing double overtime game Friday night against the Warriors, right? Or, wait, there was a game last night, too. Yes, there was, and a great game it was. It's like this team is better in these back-to-back situations. They are almost automatic here. Excruciating double overtime loss the night prior. A game you should have won. Yes, a game the Celtics should have won. Well, no sweat. I am amazed at how well this team does in back-to-back contests in a lot of games that may be tough situations where teams generally aren't capable of giving their best effort, i.e. Wednesday against the Bulls. Also a win. First game back from a long road trip against a decent Chicago team. Last night, obviously putting that one, pulling that one out of their hat a little bit. Did the Celtics get away with one late there with Isaiah either traveling or getting tied up and having a tap he inevitably would have lost? Debatable. They'll take it either way, though. Boston won, and Boston won on the second night of a back-to-back with an earlier 7 p.m. start after a long game the night prior with players like Jay Crowder racking up 45 minutes, Isaiah Thomas, big minutes, Kelly Olenek playing by far, maybe not by far, but maybe one of the best games of his career, but far, far beyond minutes they've been racking all year. David Lee, just 15 and 18 minutes respectively in the last two contests despite double figures in both games. Wonder how he feels about that. But two really impressive wins this week now, not in that the Celtics beat two decent teams, two teams that are looking like they will be playoffs teams in the now wildly competitive Eastern Conference, but two wins where they were in precarious situations that generally teams have a tough time putting forth good efforts in and not to sound repetitive. That is a credit to the coaching staff and the leadership from the veterans on this team that the players are as focused as they are and rarely have mental slip-ups. Physical slip-ups, yes. Mental slip-ups, no. Oh, and also that may be a benefit of having the depth the team has on this roster. Well, or maybe a player that's tired, Kelly Olenek, after Friday's career performance. He can't really put it together in back-to-back games. And you've got production from elsewhere, from some fresher legs, like David Lee. He chipped up, chipped in with another decent game as well, being a, an example from last night in that department. But... But let's get down to Friday here. As stated in the opening, I caught up with Jim Barnett, the longtime Warriors commentator, 30 years, I believe, which is the second longest tenured in the NBA, only behind Tommy Heinsohn. Talk with Jim prior to Friday's game, as he is, to say the least, a man in demand at this point and on an insanely busy schedule, especially with the Warriors traveling after Friday's game on a late night. And, of course, the Warriors lost last night to Milwaukee. They had their streak snapped. That will be a topic today on Around the NBA in 5. My conversation on the Warriors with Jim Barnett in the second half of the show, but Friday night, what did we learn from Friday night? Did we learn anything from Friday night, or was it a confirmation of things we already know, knew, and know, not Steph Curry is phenomenal, Draymond Green, who wouldn't have to want to talk about, who wouldn't want him on, on their team, et cetera, et cetera, because this is Celtics speed. Let's talk about the Celtics as there is going to be a fair amount of Golden State Warriors discussion in my conversation with Jim on this show. Friday, rarely hate to break down one game on this show, but special situation for this as it was the most anticipated game so far. I think even greater than the playoffs last year. The most anticipated game that sort of galvanized a greater population of the fan base of the brief Brad Stevens era here in Boston. What did that game serve as a confirmation for a few things? Number one, I hearken back to our conversation with Mike Gorman on this show almost a month ago now. For those who missed or would like to re-listen, check out our archives on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the likes by searching Celtics Beat. And, of course, we'd love if you subscribed. Mike Gorman in that conversation talking about how Stevens gives certain veteran players more leeway and has them above a bit on his, and I'll use the phrase Gorman used on that show, chain of command. 
And no question the players that Gorman was insinuating are Isaiah and Evan Turner. And a lot of times this year in adverse situations, be it at the end of close games against good teams, or also in portions of the game where there are some dry spells from a slew of other players, they tend to take matters too much into their own hands and they stray from the game plan. Case in point, after the game Friday, Brad Stevens told the media something he rarely, if ever, does, that some of those failed attempts by Isaiah to win the game weren't the plays that were supposed to be run. We see this team, how well coached they are across the board. This is the least, the last step in my eyes. It's easy to stay on cue when things are going well, but that last mental hurdle for a few guys when things aren't going well, too well is to maintain that belief in the system. Trust the process, do we have to say that, when things aren't going well, to stay within yourself. We saw that Friday. We saw that as well, I thought, in that Spurs game two over a week ago. That's the final hurdle for this group to jump, and that'll be what really allows this particular group to maximize what they're capable of. Now, but they're almost there. We can identify that as an improvement. Okay, that was a long number one. Now, number two, things that were confirmed Friday, roster necessities. I'll bring this up when we get Elrod Enchilada of Real GM back in here. But I like where this franchise is at because at this time last year, December 13th, 2014, we thought the Celtics could use everything. Just who cares? If they can play, get them in here. Now with its strides, this franchise, and most importantly, this group of players has made, it's far different now than it was then. Far different now than it was in 2005, 6, 7. This time around with where these guys are at, you can identify the ideal additions to this team. At this time last year, I thought this group was every piece one could possibly think of from being a title team. Now with the culture that's surrounding this organization, with respect that management and the coaching staff has from who's here and those on the outside and with the players they do have, I feel they're one and a half pieces away. Big pieces, but identifiable pieces at the very least. Obviously, scoring win, a Carmelo Anthony-like. Younger version, unfortunately, a scoring wing and a burly yet athletic enough defensive presence down low that can play in situations when needed. Saw that really Friday. A lot of loose balls, a lot of times where the Warriors' smaller guys grabbed an offensive rebound here or another rebound there. Draymond Green, where maybe a more dominant force on the boards, getting a few more rebounds would have, no, it definitely would have been the difference in the Celtics winning that particular game. And on other games throughout the course of the season where that glaring deficiency on this roster will prevent them from winning certain games like that. So there's that, as stated. Don't want to steal Errol's thunder a bit, because I know he loves state-of-the-team discussions, so we'll save that a bit for our brief chat coming up in just a few moments here. Lastly, let's use a positive. Avery Bradley, Revis Island. It's there when he needs it. Nothing more to say than that. Couldn't do a better job defensively than he did on Curry on Friday. So to sum things up, another productive week for the Celtics. They needed it, particularly last night, I thought, because, yes, another week with some quality opponents on tap. Last year's two conference finalists in the East, they're at the Garden Tuesday and Friday with a back-to-back trip to Detroit on Wednesday sandwich in there. Holiday season wouldn't be a bad idea to think of tickets to a Celtics game as a potential gift, particularly that Cavs game on Tuesday. Especially to see one of those two teams, and you won't find cheaper tickets than at TickIQ.com. Or the TickIQ mobile app, as stated, TIQIQ already has the cheapest tickets for all Boston sports. And now with their mobile app, you can save up to 10% more on tickets to any live event. You can set price alerts to be notified when tickets within your price range become available, as well as see all the top deals for games at the Garden, Gillette Inn on the Road. They aggregate all ticket sellers on one platform and have the most competitive prices out there. Head to the Apple App Store now to download the Tick IQ app and start saving today. That is T-I-Q-I-Q. Use the promo code BOSTON for 10% off your first purchase. That's BOSTON for 10% off your first purchase. Okay, so let's bring back Elrod Enchilada, Real GM. It's been about a year since he's been on the show. I don't know what he's been doing, hibernating or something, but my guess is he's getting a call up on Real GM soon. So, state of the team, I know he's going to discuss it. Elrod, i got to give you the floor here. Well, thanks for having me on, Larry. Uh, and a great show, by the way. I really enjoyed listening to it. You get great guests aside from me, and I always learn a lot uh, listening to the show every week. Uh, yeah, look, I think that the game played last Friday against the Warriors that got so much attention is a really good way to sort of measure where the Celtics are at and what they need to do. And there are certain lessons to be learned from the Warriors, who were constructed to a certain extent by Jerry West, uh, who, along with Red Auerbach, is one of the two great geniuses as a general manager in NBA history. 
Uh, and there's certain lessons there that we ought to take to mind uh, as we look at the Celtics and as we try to make the Celtics a championship team. I think that that's what the important lesson right now, and I'll be writing about that. Uh, for one thing, uh, if you look at that Warrior team, you realize that the two best players on the floor by far uh, were on the Warriors. In fact, they had the best player in the league. And I think you make a pretty strong case that Draymond Green is absolutely in the top ten, as Jerry West said. And he might be rising because he, you know, he put on one of the great performances I've ever seen uh, Friday night against the Celtics. And uh, that was a good performance for him, but I don't think it was a shocking performance. That's what people come to expect at both ends of the floor. So they had talent, uh, and that talent uh, came over time. I mean, this is a team that's been built to get to this way consciously for six years. Uh, they didn't just turn on a button and two years uh, suddenly have a, a championship team. It was a six-year process. They're in the seventh year now since they got uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, I got to interrupt and, you. That button was Steph Curry's health. Once he got healthy and started playing every single game, then they became competitive in 2013, 14, and then obviously a championship team last year. They were only mired in mediocrity for a little bit because Steph couldn't get on the floor. And then once he started playing every single game, then they became the team that they are or the team That's that they right. become. Absolutely. Steph Curry's the foundation. He's the superstar. Without Steph Curry, they're just another team, even with Jalen Green. And you put the two of them together, you get the foundation then. You get to add the parts around it. But what was brilliant about the construction of the team uh, was getting pieces like Bozic and Iguodala. Uh, the, you know, these, these were really just smart picks at trades at the time that didn't make necessarily a whole lot of sense, but now they look brilliant. And so I think for the Celtics, what we have to remember, and that seems trite, that seems banal, but the current group of guys we got can only go so far. It's a middle-of-the-pack team that, extremely fun to watch. They play well. They're extremely well coached. But, you know, we don't have a home run hitter. Uh, our home run hitter is a guy that we now can understand why Sacramento let Isaiah Thomas go. Uh, we can understand why Phoenix basically let him go, even though he had a wonderful contract. He's a terrific player. When he's on, he's fantastic. But, you know, he, he's not going to be the best guy in the team that wins 58 games and goes to the NBA Finals, let alone win the NBA Finals. He's got to be the third or fourth best guy then you're, in the, then you're in the running. Yeah, but one thing I would say now, and I think that's changed a lot over the past year, is at this time last year, this past December 13th, 2014, I would have told you the Celtics have absolutely nothing outside of those Brooklyn Nets draft choices. And I would have said they not only need a top player, they need a number two guy, they probably need a number three player, then they'll need the pieces to go around that. At the very least, now, there is a foundation and there is a system in place where I believe now, yes, they still need a home run. They still need major pieces. But I look at it as if this team could, I mean, ideally, you would say this team could use a spring wing that can you know, rebound and pass a little bit, i.e., say, a 25-year-old Carmelo Anthony, not a 32-year-old Carmelo Anthony, like, say, trading for him right now, I would have no interest whatsoever. But a 25-year-old Carmel Anthony, that's why I've always said that, you know, at this point, I think I'd take five years off my life if somehow that Nets pick this year could yield Ben Simmons because I think he would be literally, I think this team is one and a half, granted, major pieces away from being a championship team, whereas opposed to, I think at this time last year, I, I thought the Celtics were bare to the bone. And we've seen a lot now in recent teams where even when they, seemingly hit a home run, i.e. Houston with Harden and Howard, or the Knicks back a few years ago with Amare and Carmelo, sometimes that doesn't work out, whereas now, at least with the foundation, at least with a respectable system in place that players believe in, and with Brad Stevens garnering this respect that he does from around the league and the players on the team, at least now you can say, okay, once the Celtics do hit that home run, be it today, tomorrow, a year from now, or a year and a half from now, you know it's going to work out because of how competitive it's been from this organization over the past year. Yeah, and the good news, and I agree with you, is that, you know, what we've been looking for from the Celtics has been player development for the last uh, year, and certainly this season. And across the board, we're seeing really good things. Uh, we're seeing Kelly Olenek emerge. Avery Bradley has really taken the game 
to level. I didn't think he had in him. Um, I didn't either. Really, I, I'm amazed. He, he's he's two ways now. Yeah, he's, going, he's going to a whole different level. So he's we the on Green guys guards. Excuse me? He's the Draymond Green of guards. Yeah. Well, you know, it'd be great if he was a little better playmaker, but, you know, the, and if you get to the line, we were talking about an all-pro. But what he's doing now is fantastic. So we've got some guys who are keepers. That's the really good news. And you're right, Ben Simmons on this team or Kevin Durant in free agency, either one. And suddenly we're looking at a, you know, a team that's a contender. I, I, I really agree with that. So that's a really positive. Now, the negative is this, and I think this is something that's going to be difficult for Celtics fans to swallow, which is that if you go around the league right now and you go to the various web pages or the threads on Reddit or Real GM or anywhere else where other teams are being discussed, and you say, we'll trade you our roster for years, and you do that with all the other 29 teams, and not forget the draft picks, forget the coach, just the roster, just the 15 guys. Uh, there are very few teams in the league right now who would trade rosters with us, the fan base, who watch the games, who see their players. You know, while we do have some intriguing guys, we're still in the middle of the pack, I think, relative to the rest of the league. The fact of the matter is right now we're ranked eighth in the Eastern Conference uh, playoff hunt, and we've we got two teams sniffing at our rear end, right, as we, as we talk, a half game, game out behind us who are pretty good teams. Uh, there are a lot of teams in the same boat we're in. There are the Orlando Magic, the Detroit Pistons, Miami Heat, Atlanta Hawks. Any of these guys get Ben Simmons or Kevin Durant. They're, they're having the same conversation you and I are having about the Celtics. Oh, no, not but really, because those teams don't have uh, the trump card, which are those Nets picks. Well, that's how we get I mean, at least them, Ben though. Simmons is somewhat no, no, feasible. I, I, if you're talking Ben Simmons with the Celtics, it's actually vaguely reasonable. No, no, but my in terms of existing current roster, it's not like we're in the middle of the pack still at best. We're not like every other teams around the league say, darn it, I sure wish we had the Celtics young group. The, the Orlando Magic fans aren't saying that. Piston fans aren't saying that. So uh, that's specifically, we don't want to get too carried away with what we've got. I mean, partially what we've got is some good-looking young kids. Uh, but we don't have an all-star in this group, really. The marginal all-star, one time in the career all-star, probably best, except for the wild card here is Marcus Smart, uh, who I think before the season uh, and right before he got injured looked to be emerging as the guy who's a Celtics' best chance at being that guy, being an all-star, because his defense is extraordinary. He plays with unbelievable passion. But Marcus Smart's offensive game is unfortunately inconsistent at best and a shambles at worst. I think he can get it together, but if he doesn't, then we've just simply got a really super Jake Crowder hustle defender superstar defensive end, but a guy who's going to be hurting us at the offensive end. But at the same time, you can look at it from the glass half full standpoint of view, where you're saying that this team is competing or even better than some teams with a far inferior roster, and that's a pretty much that's a very good sell to other players in and around the league. You were talking about how Golden State was brilliantly constructed. You mentioned Andre Iguodala's name. Andre Iguodala was on the Denver Nuggets before he played for Golden State. Golden State kicked the Nuggets' ass in the playoffs one year, and Iguodala hopped on over to Golden State. Something like that. I'm not saying that's a definite possibility, but at least you're playing those percentages when you are playing I, at this no, point. Go ahead. You're right, Larry. I agree with you, too. I mean, I think we're at a point where uh, you know, we've done every. Danny and Brad have done everything they can control to put, make this a very desirable place for a free agent to come. And a place where uh, this, this is going to be a team. And if they get the superstar, and there's no two ways around it, they need their superstar to play basketball in late main, uh, then I think you know, we can book a ticket. My point simply was that there's a lot of talented teams in this league with a lot of good young players. Uh, three years ago, we look back now at 2013 and go and say, wow, those guys, those guys in 2013, everyone understood they were on their way to the top. No. No, not everyone didn't understand it. You look back in retrospect to see that. I think most people, and I put myself in this group, saw the Clippers as a far more uh, a greater threat out there. Certainly the Thugs were a greater threat. The Spurs were a greater threat. Uh, there were a lot of teams. The Warriors were just one of the pack uh, that jumped out of the pack. And there are a lot of teams right now like the Warriors, not just the Celtics. So we have the point I'm simply making. It's an incredibly competitive league in the Eastern Conference right now. It's very competitive, but I think that it's, I mean, if you want to break that season, I think you have Warriors with an 80% chance to win it all. 
Cavs with a 10% chance to win it all. Spurs with a 10% chance to win it all. And no one else has a chance. But at the end of the day, this is still a Celtics show. And I sort of, once again, I'm going to reiterate what I said earlier. At this time last year, I thought this team was infinitely far away because there was absolutely nothing in place, be it both a roster and even just a foundation or a culture. Now, like I said earlier, I know they still need a major piece, and there's going to be these types of discussions until they get that major piece. And it is frustrating, right? Because it is. this is sort of where I do agree with Chris Forsberg when I had a conversation with him on the show a couple weeks ago. There should be a little more discussion about what's happening now because what they're doing right now is very impressive. And it is a little tiring where every single time you do discuss the Celtics, be it if they win, they have these great wins, or if they lose, it still comes down to, yeah, but they don't have a star player. How are they going to get that star player? And I mean, I say to myself, it's sort of like, oh, jeez. I mean, you know, when it, when it happens, I, I can't tell you. And if they could predict something like that, I'd be predicting far more serious things in life the stock market, and I wouldn't be hosting a show like this single Sunday morning. But at least, like I said a little bit earlier, on this day, December 13th, 2015, it's just a substantial difference from December 13th, 2014. I can now look at this roster. We're now at least at a point where you can identify what this team needs. Before it was, oh, just get a couple superstars and we'll see what happens. Now you can just say to yourself, boy, if this team really had an elite scoring wing and even if it could go along with that, maybe a defensive center that can give you 20 to 25 minutes, because obviously these big guys, they don't play full-time anymore with the way the teams can go small. But if you did have an interior presence that can affect shots around the basket, trap pick and rolls, I know Amir Johnson is doing that sort of spot duty. But same thing, I feel like this team is now half pieces away, as opposed to this time last year, it was just sort of like they just need to get whatever they can get. At least you can identify what this team needs. Larry, your point's well taken. This, we should enjoy and revel in the way this team plays. I think fans are and take every game for what it is. That game Friday night was absolute pleasure to watch as a fan, and it's fun to have a team that plays like that. And uh, that's great for what it is. The only thing I would say, the reason why Celtic fans are different from the other fans of other teams, except possibly the Lakers, uh, and the our bar is a lot higher. You know, we don't put flags up winning the division title, making the playoffs like you do in places like Charlotte. Uh, we're out to win the whole thing, and that's always the standard. And that's the standard Danny has. That's the standard the owners have. And, I mean, they, that's what makes us different. And so while we enjoy the team, we respect the team, you know, we're going 48 and 34 and making the second round of the playoffs. You know, that's, they give a parade in Milwaukee when that happens. Here, that's, you know, you throw it back in the water and say, okay, that's good. Good try. Now what are we going to do to actually win a title? Good way to finish this off. Elrod Ancelotti, Real GM. Elrod, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's been a long time. Looking forward to getting your work up on Real GM. All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much, Larry. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Jim Barnett, Golden State Warriors color commentator. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for downloading yet another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode was brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress, and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. Hi, this is Brent Berry, and you're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Brought to you by American Farmers Network to receive all the big benefits of small family farms and to eat healthy. Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Thanks, Bones. Yes, welcome back into the show. Brent Barry, truly one of the great guests who've made numerous appearances on Celtics Beat over the course of the last four years now. And now we have Jim Barnett adding his name to the mantle of those who've made multiple appearances on this show. Mr. Barnett is a veteran of 10 NBA seasons, now serving as the long, 
longtime color commentator for the Golden State Warriors, providing his work for the Comcast Sportsnet affiliate out in the Bay Area. I spoke with Jim in the lead-up to Friday's matchup in Boston. I think I like... A lot of us are utterly fascinated with the Warriors, obviously starting with last year with that historic season they had, being as dominant as any team the league has seen since Jordan's Bulls. And that was last year, let alone this year. We all know what they're doing now. I know the audience who knows knows me, the audience that does know me, they know that I don't really watch the majority of these games live. I wake up in the wee hours of the morning. In fact, I'm pretty much waking up as Warriors games are ending, although it's you've been paying attention to the Warriors games this year, they've been ending more so at halftime, but technically ending. I get caught up on a lot of full replays, and the only team, and I mean the only other team I watch on a steady basis outside of the Celtics, because we have this show, is Golden State. Uh, Of course, for the obvious reasons, there just has not been a team this enjoyable in this league Maybe going back to the teams in the 80s, many will say the Bulls, but as a young kid growing up in the 90s, I hated the Bulls, especially that second 3 P team with Rodman. I despise that team as a young kid. Either way, though, most enjoyable team, this Warriors team, over the course of the past few decades, no question about it. Most revered superstar, I believe, since Jordan with Stephen Curry. We could go on and on and on and on. But I'll talk about this coming up, so let's get right to it. Our conversation with Jim is brought to you by Harry's. Wake up to Harry's, a better way to shave with cost-effective razors and products designed to give you the highest quality shaving experience possible. You may not take my word most of the time, but I ask you to take my word on this as I personally recommend Harry's to anyone who puts a premium on the highest shaving experience possible. Their shaving products are sleek, classy, and leave you with the smoothest and most comfortable shave money can buy. And it doesn't take much money either. Once you sign up for an account with Harry's, you can save boatloads of cash by not having to go to your local drug or grocery store for your blades. Get them shipped right to your door, courtesy of Harry's. Get a Truman set, which is Harry's starter's kit, for $10. Yes, $10. That includes a razor, shaving cream or gel, and one month's worth of blades. That's one month's worth of blades for, again, all of $10, no tax, no shipping costs within the U.S. by simply mentioning Celtics upon checkout. That's Celtics upon checkout for a Truman set at harrys.com. And if you do not like your first shave, return to Harry's for a full refund. As a daily user of Harry's Blades myself, I promise you, you will get your money's worth and then some, or money back guaranteed. Jim Barnett, CSN Bay Area. This is a money-back guaranteed interview. I will say this. Jim, thank you so much for doing this once again. Certainly appreciate you joining me as you are a little in demand at this time. And I want to start you off in a good mood. I'm in a good Question I know you'll love. The story of the Warriors, well, outside of fact, they're defending champions and have an unmatched, unprecedented start of the season so far. One of the takeaways is that they're doing this with seasoned college players. Steph Curry, three years. Clay Thompson, three years. Andrew Bogut, I think, was two, might be three. Draymond Green, I know for sure, college graduate. We had a great conversation about this this past June during the final, so I kind of want to put this on a tee for you here to start things off and let you elaborate on that and even possibly go ahead and ask a follow-up right now and wonder if this may have been a potential strategy when it came to Bob Myers and the others prior to him assembling this group? Oh, I think anybody looks at um, just talent, talent in general, and character of the person. Certainly, I think that a lot of NBA players who are presently in the league, you know, came out of college way too soon. And there are a lot of players that come out too soon and never make it into the NBA. And had they stayed for a couple of years or three years, uh, they would be NBA players and they would make more money in the long run. I think it really – I really just don't – it's too bad because I, I know how you, you've got to have, um, you know, freedom to do things. But I liked it better when, when I came out and you had to be a, in college or you had to you – you could not play in the NBA until your high school class graduated from college, when, you know, way back in the 60s and 70s. But there's no substitution for learning how to play the game of basketball. But guys get a little too anxious. They, they go for the money and uh, – and, and it hurts them a long way. So, I, but I, you know, the Warriors just drafted last year, Devon Looney out of UCLA, who played only one year in college. So, uh, that kind of if, if that philosophy helps, you, it would go against the grain. So, you know, they're going they're going to look for uh, you know talented players. And and l- l- listen, LeBron James, any anybody who watched him play in high school said 
gee, you know what? I think we're going to make him our number one pick. It didn't matter whether he went to college or not. And, and they recognized talent. And I think that's the main thing, talent and maturity. Some people are mature when they're 19, 20 years old. Some aren't. And that's why I say the character. They look at the background, how someone was raised, um, you know, what kind of person they are. They talk to the coaches. So there are a lot of factors that go into that, I would think. Have you ever had conversations with some of those players regarding that, particularly Stephen Curry? Because I think he stands out in that he was a pretty established guy, and quite frankly, even the most casual of basketball fans knew who he was. As he and Dayton made that big run in March Madness in 2008, I believe, which was his sophomore year, and he returned, and that was pretty surprising in its own right because it's just so rare nowadays where a guy who would have been a surefire lottery pick who turned down all that money that was right in front of his face at the time that year he could have come out after his sophomore season. He ended up returning to Dayton. He gave another run there for a year, obviously before the Warriors snagged him in that draft. Have you ever crossed paths with Steph's regarding this? Um, you, I have some interviews with Stephen earlier on in his career, but just because of the way this game has grown, there are more people now in the organization, so we have specific people who do um, interviews. I, I don't have a radio show like my partner Bob Fitzgerald so he he interviews people all the time I don't and I very rarely talk to any players uh, they don't want to hear from me and uh, I don't run around with them I've never had a dinner with any of these players I've never had a lunch except for it's in a group situation in the hotel or something like that where we're in the same area but I would I don't sit at the same table with them um, I remember what it was like when I was a player so I leave the players alone and quite frankly the you know in, in all sincerity and and, and all uh, with no qualms about it whatsoever they don't give a damn about me <laughs> they don't they don't want to hear from me they don't need to hear from me and that's just fine I, I mean I'll just be very candid I don't talk to the players sorry to stick with this but to sort of wrap this up I just listened to our interview we had back in June again this morning which by the way for our listeners is available on our iTunes and Stitcher channel by simply searching and subscribing to Celtics beat on the various channels Aired, I believe, right before Game 5, so the last uh, the Warriors have not lost since. But remember in that conversation how we talked about how not just the players of the 60s and 70s, but even the 80s and, and into the 90s, you believe that they may not have been as athletic as they are now, but from the neck up, they were better players, to steal the phrase you used that day. However... I think in recent years, I've come to the conclusion that there is being a far more intelligent and thus selfless brand of basketball being played since the new decade, largely because of the new emphasis on advanced statistics, as well as all this data that is available to coaches and executives, and thus making it a far easier sell to players. Obviously, I pose this then, but do you think these NBA athletes, and I guess we'll utilize the American way here and be a little politically incorrect and use a sweeping brush to generalize NBA players here. But do you think that maybe the players now are making far better decisions on the court as opposed to say seven, eight, ten years ago? Well, I, I, I believe with all the analytics and the way that um, I, I think the coaches are doing a different job than they used to do. And, and the players are aware of all these analytics. So they, they're probably a little more conforming, if you will, uh, to certain standards. In other words, fewer twos are ta being taken and more threes are being taken because they realize the, the percentages of that. So the, the game is evolving. The game is changing. And then the success of the, of the, the great teams like San Antonio, um, Atlanta was really good last year, the Warriors, they are setting the standard now about how to win basketball games. So other coaches are, you know, copycat, if you will, and trying to play a more, you know, freelance game where you move the ball, more passes, four or five passes before you take a shot, push the ball down the floor, uh, go to the three-point line. So they're, they're teaching on the fly and on the go. Um, so I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, they're more intelligent. They still do, they still do, you know, silly things like, um, coming down on a four-on-one and everybody's crowding the lane rather than two guys backing out and making it a two-on-one. So uh, they, they still there are fundamental fl fundamental flaws that are still very very evident when you watch an NBA game all over the place. You know, not blocking out the boards. So, and as I said before, 
the, the players today are much better athletes, but from 30 and 40 years ago, they're from the neck up. They, because they didn't go to college and they didn't get the fundamentals and they were, you know, they're, we didn't dunk and we didn't have the high flying, uh, spectacular dunks when we were 12 and 13 and 14. We, we weren't physically ready to do that, but they are today. And so, um, that's why, and it leads me to this. Now, see, I can, I can really get another strain here. The, the MVP of the league is a guy named Steph Curry, and he is a more, you know, on the floor, you know, on the wood basketball player. And I think he's going to spawn a new generation of basketball players because of the way he plays and because people can identify with him. So now you're going to, you're going to see in a few years, guys who are a little more fundamentally sound, they're not worried about dunking. Their ball handling skills are going to be better because they're going to do the drills that Steph Curry does. They can break it down frame by frame with all the video that you have right now. They're going to break down his shot, and you're going to have a lot of people, both, both by the way, black and a lot of little white kids out there who think they can make it to the NBA because Steph Curry did at 6'3". And if, if a kid says today, hey, I'm going to play in the NBA, and, you know, before Steph Curry, would say, I'm going to be the next LeBron James. And the father's going to say, son, I'm 6'1", and your mother's 5'5". Five, five. You're not going to be 6'8", 260 pounds, so you're not going to be LeBron James. But everybody thinks they can be Steph Curry. And so, as I say that, I'm not being racist about this. There are going to be a lot of little white kids that say, hey, there's hope that I can handle the ball like that, and I can learn to shoot, and maybe I can play in the NBA. Does that make sense to you, Larry? Yes, uh, it makes all the sense in the world. And I've actually had a ton of conversations with people in and around or outside this league. And I am sure you are more than familiar with this. But if you recall, after 98 and really after that terrible lockout they had in 99 and how much damage it did in terms of how good of a portion of sports fans, particularly those in flyover states from my vantage point, I believe there was a good portion of those fans that lost touch with the NBA then and the NBA in a desperate attempt to win them back or to appeal to a new market. I think they sort of tried to pitch the next Jordan to them with uh, Kobe or Iverson, McGrady, Vince Carter. Remember that era? And it just really wasn't a sell to that portion of America. But what that did do was it spawned a generation of everyone sort of believing they were the next Jordan and I think the game suffered because of that the overall game suffered for sure and a lot of people agree with me there there was only one Jordan the NBA hurt the game by trying to market it that way so we had a full generation of players wanting to be Jordan now Curry in my eyes he's not only a throwback I've said and I hope I don't offend you by saying this, I feel like he's a rich man's Jerry West. That's a really good comparison for him. But not only is he a vintage player and plays with the fundamentals that NBA players once did, but his playing playing his style while moving away from isolation basketball and relying on a good portion of athleticism to be effective. And like you said, I think that is and will further resonate with a greater population nationally. And I think certainly more Americans can relate and connect to that. Exactly. Exactly. He's the face of the NBA right now. He is the most popular player. They've already proven that. His jersey sells the most. On Black Friday, uh, the NBA merchandise at the NBA store in New York, 70% of the merchandise was Golden State Warriors-related merchandise. Everywhere you go, they Uh, they see the Warrior jerseys, and they're number 30. There, there might be a couple other numbers in there once in a while, but 99% of the jerseys that we see in opposing arenas, and, and there are a lot of them in the opposing arenas, are all number 30. So Steph Curry is the, the face of the NBA, and Adam Silver couldn't be happier because you couldn't get a better, better representation than Stephen Curry. But anyway, no, I think he's going to change the landscape. He's going to change the landscape of basketball simply because of the way he plays. And maybe you would disagree with me here. But I think, too, with the NBA taking over globally, becoming the second most popular sport over the last 15 years or so, maybe, though, you might disagree with me, as I said, but maybe winning back some of the fans at a national level with a player like Steph leading the I don't know. I'll argue that. You know what, Larry? I don't know because it just seems like to me the NBA has gotten more popular all the time. But it's been marketed worldwide, I wonderful think. Thing. Marketing is a wonderful thing, and there's more money, and there's more money, and now it's monopoly money. They give, you know, I'll tell you one thing that's changed. 
when I played in the game, I knew the superstars were going to make a lot more money. But in, in this era, guys who are average players want the same amount of money that a superstar gets. And most of the time, most of the time they get pretty damn close. You got guys making $15 million who, who've been in the D league and, and been cut, had to go to Europe and come back. Uh, you know, I'm talking about like Damari Kerr, who's a good player, but last year was the first time he ever averaged double figures. and They gave him $60 million in Toronto. And I'm not saying he's not worth it, but it's just incredible. Draymond green, um, you know, was making under a million dollars and now he makes 16 million a year. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's the, the whole thing is, is it's, it's really crazy. The NBA is very, very popular right now. Okay. Well, we're more than 15 minutes into this. So obviously now have to shift to the team that you're watching on a night in a night out basis, Jim, but this may sound like a dumb question, but I remember asking something similar to, I think Dominique Wilkins last year regarding the Hawks, when they were playing very well, in fact, for them, relatively speaking, but I, I wondered if a team, being a team Super Bowl, and for the Warriors this year, that's tenfold to what the Hawks had last year, but being every opposing team Super Bowl, particularly on the road and going through that every single game, likely the rest of the Ray here, could that be beneficial come playoff time, going through that, now playing games at this playoff intensity? Or do you think that could drain them? Could could that drain the Warriors for the season that really matters? Nope. I'll tell you why. Steph Curry plays about 32 to 33 minutes a night. He, it, there have been about seven or eight games he hasn't even played in the fourth quarter. They come out. They play. They're not worried about the other team. They're worried about their game. And and that that is a philosophy that was instilled into them last year by Steve Kerr. They want to win every game. So it has nothing to do with uh, in anything but their own pride. They know who they are. They've got a lot of confidence. They love to play with each other, and they're going to play like that even if they were playing 500 basketball because they, they have they have the certain ingredient inside, the hunger to play their very best. They, they, it almost looks like I, – I don't want to say desperation um, because – Oh, we we played out of desperation because we never had guaranteed contracts back in the '60s and the '70s. We didn't have guaranteed contracts, so you played hard every night because you couldn't afford not to. They play the same way, and I call that out of desperation. That's in a very positive way. But Stephen Curry, I think, yes, he has something to prove. And there were a lot of doubting Thomases about whether the Warriors deserve to win an NBA championship. They know there's a target on their back, but they set high standards for themselves, and so they feed off that. It does not drain their energy. It does not put pressure on them. They put their own self-induced pressure. They invite pressure. They like pressure. They have fun that way. It brings out the best, and they want to be the best every night. And that's why they've gone on this incredible streak. I can't believe it. It's almost surreal. You know, they've won 27 games in a row. When you go back to the games they won last year, they're 23-0 and starting this season. And I don't think it's going to do anything down the line. I think that there's enough rest time Coming up after this road trip, seven games on this road trip, the Warriors have five games over 16 days. They know how to pace themselves. And later on in the season, after they finally lose one or two games, they're going to be sitting those players toward the end. And Luke Walton is going to do that just like uh, Steve Kerr did last year. I remember in Denver, I think he set down three or four starters. And that's going to happen late in the season. And they're going to get a resurgence if you think they need it or not. Um, they're going to be ready to defend their championship. And most of this stuff, it's more mental than physical. And Stephen Curry is the leader of this team. Clay Thompson is driven. He's got that special inside him. Um, And and make no mistake about it, they would not be anywhere, you know, the system and all those kinds of things. But they've got Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson, and those are guys that can fill it up at the basket, and that's one big reason why they're winning basketball games. So those two are very, very grounded. They're very strong emotionally inside. Um, they're, they're the kind of people, you know, not just on the court but off the court. They've got their lives together. And it, 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 Steve Kerr, he's got his life together. He's, he, to me, he's, he was a, a wonder last year um, in, in his philosophy and the way he can handle things, and he's given the reins over to Luke. Walton, who's much the same way, laid back, 
calm, doesn't overreact, doesn't say too much. He can communicate. Um, he has some levity about him. So, this, you know what? We are, we are watching history unfold every night with a group of people who are different. They are very, very focused. They, they challenge themselves. It all comes from within. It's not external from anybody else. It doesn't come from any, anywhere else. So the, the other, every, you know, one team that has green jerseys or red jerseys or yellow jerseys or white jerseys, doesn't matter to them. doesn't matter their names. doesn't matter anything. They're going to try to play their game, and they just want to win. Yeah, it, it's just so rare in the last 20 years or so seeing a team being this aggressive in the regular season and taking the regular season this seriously because we've seen so many champions prior, be it those Shaq Lakers or obviously the Spurs are famous for, that just sort of cruise right along in the regular season. I, I can't give you any more than what I just said, the intangible. Okay. They are very special people. Steve Kerr is – a, a, a very he's he's got a gift you know steve kirk could be the governor of california and be a good governor he just has that gift he has that intellect he has he, he he's just there are people around in this world that are special and that are able to do their jobs in a in a superior way more than other people and Steve Kerr is one of those guys, and Stephen Curry is one of those people. Stephen, if you're going to go back to it, it starts with his parenting, okay? He's got different parenting than a lot of players in the NBA. He grew up in an NBA family. More than that, he grew up with parents who have integrity, okay? He grew up with, with a role model and mentoring from his parents who who just understand what life is all about, and they prioritize the right things. That's where it comes from. It comes from their childhood. It comes from being nurtured. It comes from being loved. It's, it comes from being affirmed. It comes from being taught. It comes from it, all this stuff comes from a center of our universe where you've got people who, are, who, who live their life to a certain standard and have integrity and have some spirituality about them that they understand how to get along in the world, and they're only going to put their best foot forward because if, if a task is worth doing, it's worth doing right. And they're going to do it not only in the right way but with the right attitude. So that's if you're asking me, that's where it all comes from. And Steve Kerr it comes from a – you know. His father was obviously the president of American University in Beirut and got assassinated. He was obviously a very bright guy. His mother, if you could look at her, I mean, she's – and who she is. He comes from good stock. He was raised the right way. Well, I, I tell you what, there would be no better way to close an interview uh, than the way you just did, Jim. But I do have to ask one more question because this was on the agenda before I sort of got rolling here. Definitely we're the most fatalistic city in America. This is the type of conversations we have every day here in Boston. I do hope you're enjoying your stay. But the last question, what in your eyes could prevent the Warriors from getting to where they want to get to this year outside of obviously something like health? Uh, the health is number one thing. That yeah. could stop them, certainly. Um, other than that, I don't think there's anything that can stop them. I think they're the best team in the NBA because they have strength at every position. They're getting the other night in Indiana, they got 26 and I think 15, 26 points, 15 rebounds between Bogut and Azili. Azili is getting better at the center position, so they can go big and compete with anybody, but they can go small. And when they get Harrison Barnes back, if you've looked, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson. Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, Andre Iguodala are the top five players in the league in plus-minus. So when they put that small lineup, that's their small lineup. You can't play 48 minutes with them. But when they put those five players on the floor together, it's the best lineup in the entire NBA. And, and the, and the plus-minus pro, plus proves that out. Um, and those three players up front, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala, 
play the best defense in the entire NBA, and they can play bigger people. They switch. They double-team. They recover. They do everything right, and they wreak havoc on other teams. And you only have to go back to the game they played early in the season against Memphis when they beat Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol and that big front line, which is the strength of Memphis. And they won the game, Larry, by 50. This wasn't Philadelphia. This wasn't a lousy team. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies by 50. And they negated any of that big front court that is so awesome and overwhelming to many other people. And they did it with smaller people most of the time. And that's really just yet another thing that has made the Warriors this great and this special and this historic for that matter is that this is the deepest team I think we've seen in the NBA, particularly for a champion, particularly with a team that already has the best player in the league. You know, for example, these last 15, even 20 years or so, a lot of these championship teams have sort of that one star, those two stars right at the top. These This Warriors team is really like just like those 80 Celtics and Lakers teams in that they had great players on top, and they were went eight, nine deep with just very, very, very good players that, that could start on multiple teams that could be much more of what they are individually on other teams. They truly are one of – this is the deepest team – the NBA has seen in legitimately, I would say, about 30 years. But, Jim, appreciate you taking the time. That was Jim Barnett, Warriors color commentator for Comcast Sportsnet, Bay Area. Okay, time to close out this show. And no other way to do so. Well, okay, there's been other ways recently. But time to go to an old stable of ours on this show, Around the NBA in 5. And Around the NBA in 5 in a traditional manner. Multiple topics, not just one. And, of course... Time to talk about what is unequivocally my favorite sponsor here on Celtics Beat, American Farmers Network. Utterly honored and thrilled to have a company of that stature put their support into this broadcast as they have done so on a weekly basis for some time now. You know where I'm going. Grass-fed beef, the most nutritious food on the planet, and for my money, the most delicious food on the planet. Where do you get it? AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. American Farmers Network. Beef is certified organic and 100% grass-fed. Their production standards go even beyond the ultra-rigid USDA regulations. It's fresh, it's healthy, and is more delicious than one could possibly imagine. For me personally, AFN's meats are the staple of my diet. It is the primary reason as to why I can enjoy a lifestyle and, most importantly, an appearance that we should all have a right to. Take my word for it. Get your pasture-raised meat from AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and reap the big benefits of animals that were raised and cared for on small family farms and harvested on site. Ditch grocery store packaged meat that was likely raised at corporate industrial farms with commercial practices of grain-fed diets, steroid injections, oppressive living conditions, and appalling slaughter practices. Everything you want in life can be at your next meal. Want to do your namesake right and treat your guests better than anyone else could? Get your meat at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Want to satiate your taste buds with the most distinctive and savory palate? Get your meat at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And want to get on that road to effortless fat burning and trigger muscle growth with a rich and ultra-high quality protein source? Well then, get your meat at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. I can't promise or predict everything. It's why I never make any basketball-related predictions on this show. But I promise you, you will never regret a purchase in the future meals that lie ahead via AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Well, they lost. Jim, we jinxed you. Well, maybe a double overtime game in Boston the night before had something to do with it. Draymond Green, hello, 50 Minutes. But they went down last night in Milwaukee, same place where the 72 Lakers streak ended. Must admit, have not watched the game yet. Actually, have not even caught the highlights, just saw the score. And, well, obviously, what a great one by those Warriors. Not just the 24 wins this year, but people forget they haven't lost a game since Game 3 of the NBA Finals last year. Ironically, the last time we had Mr. Barnett on this show, the Warriors were undefeated between those points. Warriors... My guess, I haven't watched, but my guess, clearly gassed, missing two players in their rotation, end of a seven-game roadie, 
No team has ever swept a seven-game road trip in history. Played a double overtime game the night before in a playoff atmosphere. And, hey, just got tripped up. Happens in the NBA schedule of 82. I agree with Jim. I have them all at peg for the NBA title this year, pending health. And even then, I think they are so good they could survive one injury to any player not named Steph Curry. Any other top guy they have, be it Iguodala, Barnes, Thompson, Bogut, down the line mostly, maybe not Draymond Green. But either way, I think they are deep enough. They are so deep, as stated, they are 80s Lakers and Celtics deep. They could survive an injury to any one of those guys and still be overwhelming favorites, I believe. said this earlier in the show, I said it with Elrod, I think. It's literally like 80% Golden State, 10% Cleveland, 10% San Antonio, 0% everybody else. Everyone else. Yes, Clippers, you have a 0% chance at a title this year. Tough. But congratulations to the Warriors. Very impressive feat. Now go out and win the damn title and don't make me sound like a fool for what I've been proclaiming you guys to be right now and over the past year and a half on this show. Speaking of the Clippers, let's get to some good news here. Yes, good news. Clippers went into Brooklyn last night and stuck a nice little L on those nets. Damn those guys down there. Thaddeus Young having the best season of his career. Brooke Lopez still being Brooke Lopez and this segment being sponsored by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Guys, please do not tell Brooke Lopez about American Farmers Network grass-fed organic beef. We do not want him fueling his body with high-quality sources of protein loaded with nutrients and vitamins. We do not want him staying healthy. When you see Brooke here in Boston on New Year's weekend, pretend to be a nice guy, buy a McDonald's, give him a burrito or something, get him some donuts, Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, give him, give him bird crap if you possibly could. But Brooke, at the end of the day, the ends justify the means here. It's all about the Celtics pick, damn you. Don't tell Brooke about meat from AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. You guys knock yourselves out. Brooke, no. Anyways, freaking Nets with Young and Lopez really emerging have come on a bit here over the last few weeks with that Celtics game. Started with that Celtics game on that Sunday. Gurr really fueling this run here with where prior to last night, they carried a six-game home winning streak into that game. Clippers snapped it. Thank you, Doc, Blake, CP3, the likes. Hopefully that gets the Nets a bit off track here, but I'm not so sure now. The Nets, they are not as bad as they thought they were. we thought they were going to be, particularly after that little 0-11 start they had. Brooke Lopez, his health, that holds the key. They have an easier schedule now coming up. They've gotten some tough Western Conference foes on their schedule out of the way. They've already gone out West on that trip as well. But Brooke Lopez, he's the key guy. Thaddeus Young, he's playing for a contract, so he's kind of got to watch them there. They're not going to be as bad as we thought they were going to be. Now some injury news. Bradley Beal out two weeks. What a disappointment the Wizards have become. But hey, also good. A potential Durant landing spot. Not saying the Celtics are in play, but if the Wizards continue to drop steaming deuces every other day and sink up the whole season as they have done so, so far, that takes them a bit out of this Durant running, which should possibly increase the Celtics' chances at landing him right. Maybe somewhere around 0.0001%, which, hey, I'll still take. I will. I will take that. I'll take any trivial increase in percentage points at Durant. Who knows? Maybe it is feasible. Lakers stink. Wizards stink. We'll see what happens in Oklahoma City. Just Golden State. Oh, for the love of God. No, no, no. Anyways, Durant and the free agents signing, the fantasizing. We'll get to that. But lastly, real quickly, Brett Brown. Extension. believe it was two years. I guess something that was owed to him for being such a sacrificial lamb. He of a 38-150 and 150 record in that reprehensible organization, Philadelphia 76ers. You can't really judge the guy. Greg Popovich has always been a few, huge fan as he was a supporter of his. Local guy, I think he's a Mainer, but yeah, I don't really have anything to offer here on this. He coaches an NBA, NBDL team in the NBA. How he puts up with that every night, I don't know. Can't really not take the extension if you are Brett, though. He won't get a head coaching gig anywhere else, and if he becomes an assistant again, who knows? You may never get that call to become a head coach, so he can't go take go backwards. That's what he got when he signed up for that job, so may as well stick with it and see it out. But if you're asking me... I'd rather die in an abandoned building alone and my family not knowing what had happened to me than coach the Philadelphia 76ers. So, Brett, best wishes. Okay, that's going to do it for Around the NBA in 5, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde 209, Astra Vex, and Steph Legrato. 
Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. I'm there a lot if you want to participate in discussion throughout the week. Again, Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Love to thank our guests, Jim Barnett, Comcast Sportsnet, Bay Area, the Warriors color commentator, and LR Anchalada, Real GM, as well as our sponsors, Linda, Kick IQ, Casper, Harry's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry A. Trussell. See you next Sunday with another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.